Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. You know, this morning, we have the pleasure of talking to Ms. Camille Kerr. Camille Kerr. Good morning, Camille. Good morning, Vernon. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being on. And you work with Upside Down Consulting. What is Upside Down Consulting? And what's Upside Down? (laughs) So I founded Upside Down Consulting um, in 2018 to be a worker cooperative and solidarity economy consulting firm. So we focus exclusively on solidarity economy clients. And the upside down part is we want to turn the the whole economy upside down. We want to turn how we how we do things upside down, where we center the power of workers and and turn the the hierarchy upside down, and, and make sure that we're building an economy that's you know grounded in in care for each other and love, as opposed to how it's structured now. So uh, the upside down concept is really just about taking what we have now, which which really prioritizes values that aren't our collective values and turning turning it upside down so that they do. And so, I, but yeah, but it, Upside Down Consulting, uh, we work with cooperative clients uh, throughout the country. So right now our clients are in New York or New Jersey and California and Chicago are, are where we're working right now. New York on the East Coast, California on the West Coast, and Chicago in the middle. So you're all, okay, you're a national firm, Upside Down changing the economy. Right now, the focus and the power is with capital. The people that had money hire the management and management hires labor. And it seems like capital and management is always trying to get labor to work for less. Give them less strength benefits, less money, work harder, pay less. And you want to turn it upside down. We do indeed. We want to turn it all upside down. And center the workers, center the marginalized, center the poor, working class and poor as the center, and take away the need for hierarchical structures and and realize we, you know, we need to be working together. And leadership should be by consent and be accountable and apply that across our our economy as well. So what do you mean when you say solidarity economy? What what is that? Yeah, no, so worker cooperative, so we, we just... Our work, we identify in the larger, the larger move to create an economy that's that's human-centered and and sustainable. And so it's not just cooperatives for us. We you know we would work on land trust, on reclaiming the commons. We would work on projects for reparations. We would work on projects to shift even how schooling and unschooling is done. Anything anything to that that's building towards the kind of society and economy that we believe is possible on the other side. So it's it's larger than than cooperatives and democratic businesses specifically because 
there's there is a role that we see, you know, government playing in in reclaiming the commons or just having us, you know, reclaim the commons ourselves through land trust with cooperative structures on top of them. So yeah, it's it's just kind of a larger world of making our economy more sustainable and human-centered and life-centered more broadly. So when I think of solidarity, I think of solid. I think of being together. Yeah. Is that is that anywhere in that solidarity? And you say reclaiming the commons. Should that? Yeah, that's all. That's what it's. That's what all of all of the solidarity economy work boils down to is focusing on on us coming together to do things and doing things for each other in a generative way where we're building together, right? So it's all the structures, cooperatives being one of the key ones, one of the the most longstanding uh, examples and common examples worldwide of what solidarity looks like in an economic system. But there are more, there are other ways that we need to come together. And so the larger solidarity economy is, is just embracing those other pieces of, of the work. Okay. So I have upside down, the economy turned upside down. So in the hierarchy that I have, you know, I grew up knowing in hierarchical, whether it's church or the home or business, there was always a leader on top and the majority of the people at the bottom. And that was the hierarchy. And so you want to turn it upside down where the people, and this is what co-ops are, where the particular worker co-op the workers own the business, they own and control the business, and therefore they're on top. They hire a board of direct. they vote in a board of directors, which are part of who they are. They come from them. Uh, and then the board hires management. And so that's upside down. That's different from the normal. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You to, it's you, both in the both in the firm and in the economy over overall, right? Like within the firm, we want to turn the way that firms work upside down. I, we'll talk a little bit more about Shifresh hopefully uh, later. But you know, one of the ways that Shifresh works is, you know, the 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 co-owners of the business, the members who are all formerly incarcerated individuals um, from the south and west sides of Chicago, they manage me and my team to do, they oversee and we report to them, my team, which does some of the professional back-end services. So we do, you know, the financing and, and, and getting grants and managing the, the, the process to do real estate, but we report completely to them. They are the board, they are the, they are the shareholders, they are the board, and they are the workers, and we're kind of a layer that reports to them underneath where they are. So we try to live out very clearly what that upside down looks like in Shy Fresh. Well, tell us what Shy Fresh is. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Yeah, but absolutely. tell everybody else that's listening what Shy Fresh. Is. <laughs> absolutely. So Shy Fresh Kitchen uh, is upside down consulting. It was our our first like, incubation or our first passion project where we we kind of just built it. Um, so Shy Fresh Kitchen is a worker cooperative co-owned by formerly incarcerated individuals. Me and a couple other folks, uh, Joan Fadiero, who's an organizer here in Chicago, came together just with the idea of how do we create a liberatory work environment and economic security for formerly incarcerated Black women in particular um, because of the immense barriers they faced on reentering. 
So the idea was just that, that, that snippet. How do we use a worker cooperative model to create a liberatory work environment and economic security for black women? And we did about a year and two months long planning process. Uh, Joan helped bring together a advisory board uh, that was primarily formerly incarcerated um, black women and also local cooperative entrepreneurs and developers. And so we, we had this advisory board and we went through the process of like, we didn't even have an, an idea for what the business should be. We were just like, this is what we want to accomplish at the end of it. We went through a process of figuring out what, what kind of businesses could even do what we want to do. And then we vetted our business ideas with the advisory board. They ultimately chose which direction we went. And uh, one of the reasons we went the way we were food service contractors, so we provide prepared meals to institutions that give daily meals to students, so schools that, that give out daily meals, nonprofit programs that have food as part of their programming, and like after school programs that give out food as, as part of their you know afternoon programming. So we came up with this model partly through one of my clients at Upside Down. Is a, is a business called City Fresh Foods, founded by Glenn Lloyd, and currently the CEO is, is Sheldon Lloyd. And, and it's a social enterprise, black-led organization as well that, you know, caters to schools and provides daily meals, works with YMCA and others in Boston. And so they were they were becoming, you know, it's a social enterprise. They're rooted in their values, has always wanted to become um, worker-owned. I've been talking to them since. I was at Democracy at Work Institute in 2014. And so it was finally time for them to become worker-owned. Uh, so I was helping them structure and and their their transition to partial worker ownership. And I was, as as we we're going through this process of deciding what Shy Fresh would do, I, I asked them, like, if we wanted to replicate your model in Chicago, you're already a social enterprise, you already, you know, pay living wage, you already work with urban farms, you do a lot of the things that we want to accomplish, could we... Would you would you support us? And they said they said yes, and they've been a critical part to our building. So we came up with this idea of Shy Fresh Kitchen, um, you know, using the City Fresh model, and we brought that to a group of formerly incarcerated individuals that our advisory board had relationships with. And so they brought a flyer to transitional homes and to other folks they were working with, and said, "Here's an opportunity to to co-own a business. What do you think?" And December 5th, 2019 was our first meeting with the members that showed up. Five people showed up to the recruitment meeting, and all five of them stayed on as our founding worker owners. And they, we were, we were getting started in, uh, we were planning to get started in the summer. We're like, okay, let's give ourselves six, seven months to get started. But then the pandemic hit four months later, a couple of our members lost their jobs and couldn't access unemployment for one reason or another. So they said, hey, can we get started earlier? <laughs> so we, we found a little bit of donation capital. I put some money in. We rented a kitchen and we got started. And luckily, we found we found a good chunk of work uh, within a couple of weeks after getting started. And, and that's, I'm going to say the rest is history, but I'll, I'll tell you the rest too. <laughs> well, we're going to take our first break. I, I we, Talking about Shot Fresh, I'm just excited because what I heard you said, you put out a flyer saying, would you like to start a business? And I really want to come back and talk about in that first meeting, December 5th, 2019, were people excited about it? Were they 
apprehensive about it? Did they think it was a scam? Because you're talking about, you know, I was incarcerated, I was in jail, I'm out now, and you want me to start a business, and I may not know anything about how to start a business. I may not have any knowledge about running or starting a business, and I don't have any money to start a business. And so you're sending out a flyer saying, come on, who wants to start a business? That sounds like it's too good to be true. Um, (laughs) So we're going to come back after the break and talk more about that. And I really like this solidarity economy, well, upside down, to turning the economy upside down from what it has been to an economy that's for labor and working poor or poor. Yeah. Come on, let's start a business. We'll be right back, everybody, to find out what what people thought about when they saw this flyer and when they came to their first meeting December 5th, 2019, almost two years ago. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that down. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks in the program of Everything Co-op. Camille Kerr is our guest today. She started Upside Down Consulting. And it was the idea was to turn the economy upside down, make it work for labor and the poor. And she was talking about uh, Shy Fresh, had their first meeting on December 5th, 2019, which is in Chicago. And they had clients in New Jersey, California, Chicago. And we're going to talk some more about Shy Fresh. And you said in that first meeting, you sent out flyers telling people to come and if they were interested in starting a business. And I think if I had gotten that flyer and I had been coming out of jail, I would have thought you were crazy and there was some kind of scam you're trying to get me into. What, what were the what were the people thinking? Or what 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 was that first meeting like? A five people. Yeah, no, I'd love. Uh, yeah, I'd love to bring you into the room. Well, um, well, one thing we had a little bit of a leg up. So one of our advisors is an incredible human, uh, Colette Payne, and she's. Uh, both formerly incarcerated herself and works and advocates for formerly incarcerated individuals and is well known in the community. And she's, she was one of our advisors. So the, the, the flyer wasn't just on a wall, it was in Colette's hand. So that makes a big difference, right? Uh, people feeling like it's something that they could trust because she was, she was on the journey with us. But yeah, when we were in, we were in, we met in the breathing room, um, which is an organizing space in Chicago. And, uh, I think people had different reactions. You know, Kim was a cheerleader. So Kim recruited three other of the members to show up. So four of the people who showed up interested in participating were, you know, Kim and and her and her friends. And then Danny also came. uh, His sister handed him the flyer is how Danny uh, showed up. And so Kim was a cheerleader. She was like, let's do it. I'm ready. Let's go. Um, I want I want something. I've been, you know, trying to get jobs it's been a pain so let's do this thing uh renee had a job so she was like before before you move on kim kim had been trying to get a job so she's formerly incarcerated uh i don't know how much you want to tell of her story but she's having trouble as most people that are in formerly incarcerated when they come out of jail when they come back home more often than not they're coming to the same community that they were in before and people don't want to give them jobs. Okay. That's what Kim was dealing with. 
So she is saying, hey, yes, let's do this. Let's own our own business because I can't get a job. Nobody will give me a job. So let's, let's make a job. Let's make a job. That's what Kim is doing. She brought three of her friends along to do that. Yep. But her, her three friends uh, were were employed. I think all three of them were employed. So uh, Renee had a job downtown um, in the food industry. And her, she was way more skeptical. Renee was like, maybe, maybe I quit my job for this. I'm not sure. <laughs> and and Moody, Moody, uh, Adrena Bryant, um, she she had uh, she had work as well. I don't know if it was like, um, but but she was she was a little quieter. Um, not anymore, <laughs> but she was a little quieter. And and Sarah and and her were were sitting on a couch together because they all you know they knew each other um they were in together most of them were in together and so they were just i could i didn't know what they they were were in jail together they were in jail together so they Mm -hmm. knew each other Mm -hmm. and kim brought renee adrian and sarah adrina yeah adrian adrina and sarah yeah and uh so i i couldn't tell what they were thinking you know uh, adrina and and Sarah were like sitting on the couch whispering to each other half the time. And, you know, I was like, I don't know what they say. What are they saying? And then you know, Danny was pretty quiet too. But um, but I gave them all a like a something to walk away with. Like, here's the idea. This is what we're thinking. Here's the business plan. But it's some you know, if you don't like it, if you don't like the name Shy Fresh, if you don't like the business plan, we'll start from scratch. We just wanted to bring you something so that you knew we weren't wasting your time. So we'll start. It's yours. So we'll start with whatever, you know, we'll restart the vision if you want it. But here's the vision we came up with so far so that we're not wasting your time. And they liked it. They liked the name Shy Fresh. They liked the idea of the business. Some of them were like, I don't know if I want to work in a kitchen, but, you know, I'm, I'll try this out. And um, and so we started just doing, I think it was biweekly meetings. And then they, they were like, look, if you want to get started in a few months, you need to start doing weekly meetings. So we started on this. They prompting. So they started doing weekly. They were like, "All right, you got to start doing weekly meetings with me." So we started doing weekly meetings, and uh, yeah, and 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 we're like, "All right, who are we going to go to for clients? What are we going to do?" And then the pandemic um, hit, and we're like, "All right, we're going to address food insecurity because that's that's what the that's what the topic is right now. That's what we need to do. People don't have access to food, so let's." figure out how we can be part of the work to to feed people while creating these, well, jumpstarting these jobs at the same time. And uh, we were going to do the first, you know, first meals were just off of a GoFundMe donation page. Hold hold one second, though. December 2019, first of December 2019, you all meet. The, 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 The pandemic is March. That's only three months. You haven't been meeting that long. I know. We got we got the kitchen space in April and we started making meals in May. We really turned we turned that around kind of quick. It was uh it was like, "All right." They were like, "You want, we need to get started." I was like, "All right, let's let's just do it." Well, I guess we'll learn as we go. We we brought on a chef consultant who'd run, you know, a kitchen before. Renee had experience managing a kitchen before. Um Kim uh, Kim got a second job at Taco Bell, so she had her. She started getting experience working in the kitchen as well. So we had we had some, you know, we had some chops in in the kitchen, and we just started 
producing. It was just 50 meals a day for the first couple weeks off of those donations. We were working with uh, Hope House, which is a transitional home in North uh, Lawndale um, neighborhood of Chicago on the west side. And we got a, we got a spot, a little kitchen spot in the hatchery, which is a, a kitchen incubator also on the west side. And and then very quickly, one of our partners, uh, Urban Growers Collective, uh, which is an urban farming and, and workforce training organization here in Chicago, was like, you know, we need to be part of the emergency response work. So if we got a grant to address food insecurity, would you make the meal? And we were like, absolutely, we'd make the meal. So we started, we went from, you know, 50 meals a day to 200 and, and then from there closer to, to 400. You're going too fast for me because I'm, I'm way sorry, back and I'm back in March, December the fifth. <laughs> you had your first meeting. You're meeting every other week biweekly, and the five people said we have to meet meet more more frequently if we're going to do this thing. So they went uh, Sarah and Andriani and Danny. Danny's the only male, I guess. Yeah. And so there's four females, African American, and one. African American male. Danny's African American. Yep, yep. And Danny was quiet that first meeting. Adriana and Sarah sitting on the couch whispering to each other. They quiet. Uh, Renee was skeptical. She didn't know if she would leave her job or not. Kim was the only one. She doesn't have a job. She brought the other three ladies there, and she's she's cheerleading. She's yes, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's own this business. I don't know if she said it or not, but she may have said, I don't know how to do this. I don't have any money to do this, but yeah, let's do it. Okay. And that's in December. And so you gave him a Christmas gift right after Thanksgiving. (laughs) 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 Okay. Uh, And so now we go December. You go our meeting, March, COVID hit. And I heard you say that Urban Growers Collective came to you. You were doing 15 meals a day, and Urban Growers Collective, by being a collective, it has something to co-op principles, I would think. They're working together in a solidarity kind of way, working together. Urban farming, uh, and this gets to the sixth principle of co-ops, cooperation among co-ops. And they said, let's let's do this thing. So we'll bring you some food, fresh food. You prepare the meal. Are you interested? You all say yes. Okay. And you go from 15 meals a day to 200. How do you do that? (laughs) It was from 50 to 200. But, yeah, you know, we were like, can we do this? And then we just were like, well, we can try. (laughs) And so we we just, we got some, we had our chef consultant, uh, Nia Griffin at the time. She was, she gave us some. She'd worked at, at Mercy Hospital, so she, you know, she's used to making the big trays and knowing how much you need to have in a tray to feed how many people. So, um, so you know, I worked with Urban Growers Collective. They set out some partners that who were close in uh, in close touch with their community members who needed food, and so we worked with uh, with Instituto del Progreso Latino with. Um, Grace House with uh, just a number of different organizations that that whose communities were really hit hard by the pandemic, and 
and and they were like they were they just said like we need 50 meals we need 100 meals we need and so we we had about we have about 10 partners through the grant and we would just make meals put them in our little heated bags and bring them to those 10 locations and 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 then just let urban growers collective know where it was going all right we're going to take our second break here we'll be right back i'm going to talk more about this phenomenal magical experience of going from, I've got an idea of 200 meals a day. Okay. I, okay. In a very, very short period of time. Uh, it, it's fascinating to me. And I want to get to something you said really early on, making a living wage. We'll be right back, everybody. Camille, I've, I've really enjoyed the first few minutes that we've been talking together about this shot fresh and really your idea of, of a company, Upside Down Consulting, and then going from your consulting business to start that, and you want to deal with solidarity and you want to help people, and then you come up with an idea of helping returning citizens, and here comes Shy Fresh. And you're doing this with a lot of partners. You talk about partners that's like, I don't know, uh, give me a glass of water. It, it's so part of what you're doing here. And it seems to be very successful. 15 meals, 50 meals, 200 meals a day in a really short period of time. Were there any problems in all of this? We're talking about the, the pluses and the wins, but what keeps people from doing this is, did these four ladies and guys, did they argue at times? Were they fussing? Were there times that people couldn't come to work? I know I, I, I read somewhere that one time somebody car broke down and somebody else went to pick them up. So when they had problems because it's a group working together, do they solve those problems together? Or what, what's the downside of this of, of this work? No, it was rainbows the whole time. I don't know what you're talking about, right? Rainbow. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Of course, there was conflict. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, you know, there's phases to working together. At first, we were just like, all right, let's do this. We got this. Actually, on the, on the very first day, we were moving stuff in. I was like, ah, oh, this is too hard because, you know, we thought that, you know, the folks were going to move the, the equipment in the kitchen, and then we ended up having to move it in the kitchen, and we didn't know how to move it in the kitchen. So it was like, you know, it was there was definitely a conflict. Whenever conflict got deeper, we relied on our network. Like you said, like this was a very collective effort. And so I would call Colette or I call someone and be like, "Hey, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know how to deal. I don't know how to deal with the level of conflict that's happening." She's like, "I got people." And so we, you know, we brought in restorative justice folks to talk us through conflicts. We're going to be bringing someone else to more proactively build a really strong and trusting culture where we can all communicate in ways that doesn't trigger each other's trauma. Like that, you know, that's, it's just what respect means to people really differs person to person and what triggers people dif differs person to person and figuring out how to all work in an environment where we're respecting each other's communication styles, each other's triggers, each other's ways of working together is, is long-term work. That's not easy work. That's work that you, you do over years. So there's um, someone that many folks in, I, I think at least three or four of the folks in our co-op have, have confided in personally, and she's 
really strong at, at building stronger culture. So we're, we got a grant to bring her in and support the long-term cultural development. But I mean, I think the thing with conflict is we need to be transparent and open with each other and deal with it head on and find resources to make sure that we're addressing it. But I think that, you know, the difficulty, we, we kind of got lucky slash blessed by our, by our partners, by Urban Growers Collective and Chicago Food Policy Action Council and, and you know, Grow Greater Inglewood, other folks in the local food ecosystem here in Chicago were committed to supporting us. And so during the pandemic, we had consistent funding to provide these meals. And now what we need to transition into as, as the pandemic-related emergency meals are not being funded as much anymore, we're transitioning to our original business plan. We got to get meals to, to kids. So we're working with our first school clients right now to get them uh, to get them what they need and, and making that shift into the market. So that's, it's difficult, you know, but it's also been an incredible process of, of having that landing with the emergency meals really made it so that we could build up our infrastructure in a safe space. And that's because of the different partners and that we have locally here. So the pandemic kept you already get started quicker. That's interesting to me. There was a need and you already able to get in and fill that need. Okay. I have a group in, in Baltimore that wants to do some work for returning citizens. What advice do you have for them of how to get started? Or is it just called upside down consulting and you will help work with them? Or <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty pretty busy right now, but we do I mean I think the I mean, the advice that I have is that you start with the values and the people who live those values. So you bring in advisors first who are rooted in centering the voices of the formerly incarcerated individuals to making sure that at all times the purpose of the organization, of the project, of the work is to serve them. So you find people who share that value and set up. And, and and you can bring in the members then, too. We didn't just because we we were concerned we didn't want to waste people's time when they were so worried about money and needing to, you know, survive. And so we're like, we brought them in a little bit later. But, but bringing in people who center those core values of those transformative values and then working with them to, to set what the project should look like and then bringing real business expertise in to say, okay, how can we execute this in our current market? I mean, we're we're living at least the way that Shifresh is doing it. We're not going off the grid and building our own our own thing that that doesn't need support from the existing market or economy. We, you know, we're working with schools, we're working with businesses, we're working with nonprofits, and so we needed to also find a market fit, and that requires, you know, business expertise. So I would say start with values. And then bring in the business expertise and value both. The values need to be first and centered, but the business expertise is just as critical because that's how we created living wage jobs is because we looked at the different potential business models that we could use. And we're like, any of these ones that rely on low-wage labor, we're not going to go into those because then we would have to shift the entire business model. We need to go into an industry where there's already living wages and food production industries do have living wage jobs. And so the citywide minimum is going up to 15. We're at 18 with health, um, vision, dental, life insurance. We're currently researching a 401k for the members on their request. And so all of that 
has to do with how we design the business model as well, right? So you haven't been in business a year yet. You haven't have. December. What? Because it was it was uh, we got started in in March of 2020, April April May 2020. So we've been okay. yep about a month a year and a half. We've done a year and a half now. And you're doing eighteen dollars an hour plus health, vision, dental, and friends benefits. And, and forty hours assume, minimum. Forty hours minimum. So it's it's not like oh if we don't have as many meals, you know we're only going to pay you fifteen hours. I mean whether we have you know fifty meals or or five hundred. I think the biggest day we did was maybe seven hundred. So whether we're doing fifty meals or seven hundred, people are getting paid forty hours a week. So we wanted to make sure a living wage wasn't just the the hourly rate, but how much the paycheck is that you're taking home too. All right, so that's really managing cash flow. If you, it doesn't make any difference if it's 50 meals or 700 meals, you're still going to be paid your 40 hours times 18. 40 hours times 20 would be 800 bucks a week. So a little less than 800 bucks a week. But I'm the friends benefits. That's different. They're, those are expensive, particularly for a small group. How I many? Do you still have five people, or how many people you have working now? Yeah, we have six. We have six, and the sixth person will, uh, which is actually Kim's mom, uh, she'll be eligible for benefits in, I think, just a couple of weeks now. It's it's three month waiting period for that. All right. Who who said is a three month waiting period? Is that what you said? I mean, you put that on it. Well, they 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 decide all the policies. <laughs> I'm like, what do we what do we want to do for this? They decide it. So the the membership uh, waiting time they wanted it to be longer. They said 18 months for um, someone to be eligible to be a member, and that that's because they wanted um, people who they trusted, and it takes a long time to build trust. And and they set how much the membership share was. They set, uh, you know, when people become eligible for benefits. So I facilitate the discussions and they make the decisions. And, um, I let, you know, I'll let them know, like, some companies make it a $25, you know, Rainbow Grocery, it's $25. It's, it's almost nominal buy-in. And then some engineering firms, it'll be $30,000 to buy-in. It feels like you're actually, you know, buying into a partnership. And, and, and so I'll give them that context. And then they decide, you know what, I think for us, it's 2000 makes sense. If we did $25 pay deduction per paycheck, it's about, you know, a couple of years that we pay it off. You know, they took those into account and made those decisions. Okay, so this sounds strange to me. You've got these five incarcerated people, and now you're saying they're going to make all the decisions, they're going to do the work. That's, that's just so different from, that's not just upside down, that's totally different from the way the world is out here. Should I rename my firm? Like totally different consulting? <laughs> totally different, crazy. Um, uh, you, you just come up with all these crazy. It won't work. I mean, how can you get these five folks? Now, what's the max education? Do they have high school degrees? Do they have college degrees? Do they have MBAs? What's the education level for these five original people? I think I think most people have gotten their GED at least. I think maybe one of them has an associate. I don't know that anyone has a four year. I I haven't really I haven't really asked too much, but I I think everybody you know there's programs to get your GED. I think everybody got their GED. Did they have it when you got started in March? Did they have their GEDs? Yeah, I think so because there's programs on the inside that that 
you know, facilitate that happening so that when you, you get out, you have better job access. So, um, but we didn't ask, you know, we didn't ask, we didn't ask. We're just like, there were, there were no, there were zero requirements to participating in Shy Fresh. Well, I'm, I'm not asking from a requirement standpoint. I'm asking from how much knowledge does one have? Okay. And, and so, you know, a lot of people, is you, you got to have a four-year degree or you've got to get your MBA to go into business and start a business. And you've got folks with a GED and maybe one associate. And it looks like they have a successful business. At least they've been around a year and a half. And uh, Dr. Jessica gordon Emhart in her book said most capitalistic businesses, they fail in the first year. In five years, 90% of them have failed. So you're on your way to success and getting paid 18 bucks an hour plus French benefits. And we didn't talk about vacation and maternity leave, but people, the, the members are making the decision. Yep. These are all their decisions on how many, how many weeks. They're sometimes stricter than I am. I'm like, well, we should give flexibility maybe. And they're like, no. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Okay. All you guys, you know, sometimes I, you know, we, we don't always share the same. I'm like, let's just be completely liberated. And they're like, this is a business and we need to run it and people need to show up. And if they don't do this and this happens, and I'm like, all right, y'all's business. So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely not me calling the shots. I, we're doing a lot of the back end. Like basically what we're doing is all of the bureaucracy that capitalism requires. Like they're making food getting figuring out how to work together and getting that food to the people who need the food and and we're doing all of the back-end paperwork that that's required for that we'll be right back to talk more about the back-end work and everything that's being done in this business shy fresh out of chicago we'll be right back your news talk station Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. Ms. Camille Kerr is our guest today, and she's started Upside Down Consulting Firm. They have businesses in Chicago and California and in New Jersey, and we've been talking about Shy Fresh, which is Shy for Chicago, Fresh is for Fresh Foods. They prepare meals to different institutions, different nonprofits, uh, could be a hospital, it could be a school, but anybody that needs good prepared food. Okay, so when we took the break, we were talking about the the folks that, the five people that showed up, maybe had a GED, one may had an associate's degree, so they, they weren't formally educated to run a business. I would, so if they're returning citizens, they probably had not run a business before. So, where do they get their education to know, to get this? How do how do you get them knowledgeable to run a business to make those informed decisions? Yeah, and well, a lot of the work that we do is to you know facilitate the decision making. So, provide the information that folks need to make an informed decision on on it, and then they can make it in line with their values. So our consulting firm provides, does the research on the back end, says, hey, this is what the, whether it's, the, this is what benefits look like in these companies, or this is what the market looks like, or these are the potential clients that we have, or here are the competitors. We just, we get the information, provide it to them, 
you know, sometimes with recommendations, sometimes just with like, here's the information and then facilitate the discussion and, and they ask for additional information. But, you know, when people have the information that they need and a safe space to participate in decision making, I, I don't feel like we just remove those barriers, basically just bringing them the information they need to make those decisions. And we do that through, you know, our resources and, and social capital, and we bring that to the table to, to make the, I mean, the way that I think about it is we're just kind of capitalism liaisons at Upside Down. So we'll, we build, we have all the cap, the skills that capitalism requires to, to flourish in the market. And we use those skills to facilitate folks who might not have that, like capitalism, those capitalism skills to, to be able to still run a business by taking on those those pieces that that shouldn't be necessary like all of this bureaucracy that we do shouldn't be necessary so we take it on and um, allow them to do the part that's meaningful which is deciding how to operate and um, getting the food out the door how to operate and getting the food out the door so i have the cooperative principles are volunteer and open membership so these five people that started, and it's also interesting, the sixth person that started is Kim's mom. So Kim brought three of the ladies the first day, and now she brought her mom in. But she could not become a member right away. She couldn't get benefits right away. They, they had decided that uh, you had to have, wait three months before you get benefits and 18 months before you can join. And that's a Democratic member control uh, is the second uh, principle, member economic participation. They decided that you needed to, to buy in at $2,000. You can pay it at $25 uh, pay period. It takes about two years to get paid in. So that's the economic participation of buying in. But when and if they're their profit, they can decide what they do with that profit. Um, and they got dividends last year, too, this year. They got dividends for the for 2020. Um, no, wait a minute. How are you going to get dividends if you've only been working one year? It normally takes a year to even – you all had a profit the first year? Yeah. I mean, the margins on emergency food are way better than the than the regular market. So, uh, so yes, we had a profit in our first year, and the workers got a dividend, a significant dividend in their first year. So, so member economic participation, dividend. it's not just vague. It's not like just the decisions. They, they actually got a – they got cut a check. Is it one thousand or a hundred thousand? <laughs> so we here, 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 I, I don't really need to know. The they did numbers. call them I'm big not, checks. They did call them big huh? checks. So uh, that's what they, we we call them. They call them big checks. <laughs> okay, so you got five people making eighteen bucks an hour, which is over the minimum wage, significantly over the minimum wage. They guarantee. They set the rule that they're going to make forty dollars per. Uh, uh, 40 hours a week, no matter what they send out the door. So that takes cash flow management. Um, that's 720 bucks a week is what they're going to make. And then they get a bonus. They get a dividend check that's a big check. Okay. This is where financial, why like co-ops is this financial building, financial wealth. Uh, you had the real opportunity to build financial wealth and cooperation, cooperative, and you are showing that. Particularly if they know how to manage that big check, either go into savings or buy, buy some kind of a appreciating asset. Okay, Kim, 
Camille? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, um, I mean, people use the, the text for different. I mean, for some people, it was just a really critical time because it's still, you know, it's, it's, it, they had maybe um, during the opening moments of the pandemic when we were, um, when we, we hadn't mandated 40 hours yet, when we were just paying for 16 hours or so, they might have gotten a little behind on rent. So having a, you know, having a check might have just been like, okay, now I'm comfortable again. Now I have, I know I have something in the bank in case an emergency comes up. Um, and for others, it was like, all right, okay, I'm going to start working towards a down payment. And some, like, m multiple members have talked to me. It's like, I want to buy something in the next year or two. So I think that that's a real buying a house? Yeah. Is it buying a house? Yeah, it is. Fantastic. Wow. Okay. Good. And what? And they, you know, they're like, well, would you, would you be there? Like, as when we deal with all this paperwork, we're like, yeah, for sure. For y'all, if we're going to, if you're going to buy a house, well, you know, we'll help you. I mean, we'll make sure you got the people in your corner to, to do it right. But, but yeah, it's really, um, it's really exciting that multiple folks are, are now considering it. Okay, this this sounds like one of them fairy tales. Uh, you know, once upon a time in Chicago, these five people returning citizens, and they got a flyer that said, "Do you want to own your own business?" And they showed up, and now a year later, after they got started or so, they got a dividend check, and now they're talking about buying a house, and um, it just sounds too good to be true. So what do you say to well, that? <laughs> it's all it's all hard work and you know we're trying to you know we we also have ambitions to make it so that we're bringing more people into the fold i mean there's and and there's still a lot of work to be done i mean folks still like you know folks are still having to work um a second job sometimes because in chicago 40 hours 18 dollars an hour that's still not enough that's not what we should be paying people that's not what it's what it what it costs to live in a major city so i mean it's it's sarah and kim and i think others might have a second job to make it to live the lifestyle and to start to save up and to have what they want so we're not there you know we didn't we didn't arrive but we are on the path that we want to be on um and i that's what i would say to it, it sounds like a because it's you know i mean you need you need to be making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year to be comfortable. If you're supporting your your partner too, you know it's more, not thirty six, not thirty six thousand a year. So I'm gonna say it's it's not quite like, you know, we want people to be in this same comfortable position that, you know, that that I'm in that that folks, um that folks that have those four-year degrees or even, you know, like I spent seven years in school, um, post-high school, that that we have. And so we're on the journey, though, of of getting close to the economic security they deserve. And and we're, we're working hard at it. So you want them to go from 18 bucks an hour to 25 bucks an hour to, or 30 bucks an hour. Um, so... Yeah, I, and 
if you had a big dividend, I can see where that's possible and they could see where it's possible and you want to bring more people in. But Kent, Camille, I got this. It's wonderful. This is absolutely exciting. Uh, superb. Um, we only have a minute or so left. What, what do you want to leave people with? What, what do you want people to know, particularly... I mean, this is this is good for returning citizens, but I have it to be good. It's good for anybody who's out there working. Uh, if you have a job, um, and even if you're making twenty five bucks an hour, if you own the business with coworkers, you can also get a dividend check on top of that. Um, it, it, so no matter what you're doing, you can do it. What do you want to leave people with? I want to leave people with, all right, for my fellow co-op developers, I think, I want to leave people with the idea that we should be the ones taking the risk, not just consulting with others, not just researching or or talking about the value of co-ops. I want more of us to be taking the risk. And there are some of us that are out there trying to start things, being willing to fail. This could have absolutely failed at multiple junctures, at multiple, multiple junctures. So it's not like, you know, you start it and it's, and and it's it's going to go well necessarily, but I I think that we should all be taking the risks right now. Um, that it's worth it, and it's worth the failure to see these kinds of possibilities. We we know another world is possible, so take the risk and try to build it, even if it means the possibility of failure. Thank you. Take the risk and let's make it work. Everybody out there, let's do that. Have a great week. Live cooperatively, and we'll see you next. Thursday. Thank you, Camille Kerr. Your pleasure. Of course. Thank you so much.